cliffcentral.com cliffcentral.com no borders we are back and this is a very special edition that we have termed the election series 2018 focusing on the upcoming elections that are be, going to be taking down um, uh, going down in Zimbabwe next year um we've had some very uh, influential individuals people that you've heard of people that you've heard from before today i'm especially excited because we have Dr. Nkosana Moyo, who I think a lot of my peers and who I've been telling that a lot of my peers feel is an enigma. Um, someone they have seen and kind of heard about, but do not fully understand and would definitely want to hear from in regards to the Alliance of the People's Agenda. Good afternoon, Doc. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for coming through. And good afternoon to your listeners too. Eh? <laughs> yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone is very enthusiastic. Good. And it's taken us quite some time to be able to get you. You're a very busy man. And we were talking before, and I, you know, you did mention that you've been in Zimbabwe a lot of late. Mm. I, I, now I, I'm in Zimbabwe okay. more than anywhere else. But of course, I have to travel here in the UK, everywhere Zimbabweans are. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's very surprising that people claim to not be hearing from you. I have seen that you've had a lot of community engagement over the past couple of weeks, if not months. Yeah, I have. I, I think you need to understand that what people are complaining about or maybe making an observation of is that our method of campaigning, our strategy is very different from what they're used to. Mm-hmm. And there are reasons why we're doing that. And so maybe we'll explore as well, to why we're doing things the way we're doing them. Definitely. We will explore that. First and foremost, Doc, mm-hmm. I mean, I would be doing the listeners an injustice if I didn't say, if I didn't ask the most pertinent question. Um, in your own words, very briefly, who is Dr. Nkosanamoy? Oh, a Zimbabwean. <laughs> a Zimbabwean and a proud Zimbabwean and proud African I add the last bit because I think for Zimbabwe to succeed, mm-hmm. in my view, in a sustainable manner, Africa also has to succeed. So these two things are very closely aligned. And that's why, for instance, when I started my think tank, mm-hmm. I made it a pan-African think tank. Because I think we need the solidarity and the numbers. And also from a geographic point of view, we need to co- we keep saying Africa, Africa, mm. but Everything else, actually, is very fragmented, mm. except the name suggests there is a, a unitary A unity thing. of some yep. sort, yes. If we look at the economy, we need to create an African economy of scale in order for us to be globally competitive. Mm-hmm. So in, in our engagement with the rest of the world, in order to have a voice that really counts, we need, again, to be united and have an African view. So virtually everything we want to do if we do not take advantage of the size of Africa and our numbers, we're going to be shortchanging ourselves. I mean, Doc, you bring up a very valid point. And I mean, that, that could take us into a two-hour-long discussion, but I'm just going to explore it very slightly. Mm-hmm. What do you think is hampering that unity amongst Africans? I mean, we do have conspiracy theories, for example, why Gaddafi um, ended up you know, b- being um, um, unseated and killed. Mm. Uh, you know, there's, those are conspiracy theories, but very believable ones to say, mm. if Africa was to unite... Um, this would be very detrimental to the economies of the West. Yeah, but you see, I, I think the choice of words is really important. I did not say Africa should unite. Mm-hmm. Unite can suggest political unity in terms of we have an African president. I mm-hmm. think that w- that is a long way off and very complicated. Okay. I think what we can do and do very easily is to create an African economy. 
And the concept also, I think, is easy for people to understand, but the implications and the implementation, Mm -hmm. not so straightforward. So how the the detail of how you do it, the architecture of how to build an African economy is very challenging. Mm. I am very clear that actually it can be done, but if you approach it the wrong way, it will not work. If you approach it the correct way, it's very easy to do. And when we form an upper government, we'll demonstrate just how easy it is to do. <laughs> we've, we've already gone back to the campaign trail. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with the acronym APA, that is the Alliance for the People's Agenda, which is Dr. Moyo's party, what is your role in, in APA? What's my role? I'm the presidential candidate. So, in other words, I'm the head of the party. Okay. Yes. Um, And back to who Dr. Moyo is, just very briefly again, Mm. Dr. Moyo, before the minister, Dr. Moyo, who was in the, was that 2001 government? 2000 government. 2000 government. What had Dr. Moyo done up until that time? And who was he? I mean, a brief background, a history of the institutions and organizations you've worked for and yeah, in what capacity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in terms of education, I did all my university education in the UK, then came straight back and lectured at the University of Zimbabwe in physics uh, with people like uh, uh, Dr. Zengeni. Some of you may know Dr. Zengeni. He was my senior in the physics department. And then after that, I went into industry. I joined TA Holdings. And spent six years in TA Holdings. Within that time, I also went back to the UK to do an MBA. And after TA, I joined, I then moved because of the experience in TA, Mm -hmm. my MBA and my bias towards finance. Mm -hmm. I then went into banking. I joined Standard Chartered Bank. And I then spent the next half a dozen years with, with finance, I mean, in the financial sector, doing investment banking, commercial banking, and uh, in terms of countries, I worked in Zimbabwe, in London, in Tanzania. But when I was in London, I actually covered the whole continent in terms of where standard chartered operations were. Okay. I was responsible for corporate banking for the whole continent where our operations existed. Okay. Yeah. And you've sort of already answered this. Um, Dr. Nkosanamoyo will be running for presidency in 2018. That is correct. Uh, okay, so people, I think you know where to put your exes if you believe in upper after the next hour that we're going to have this conversation. Mm. Um, what is the premise behind upper, the Alliance of People's Agenda? The prem- the Let's idea. start with the name. Let's start okay. with the name. The name itself says that we are setting out to create a platform which is an expression of what Zimbabweans want to be done for their country and for themselves. Hence, Alliance for the People's Agenda. The agenda is from the people. Okay. That is what's behind that name. Yeah. And we as a country, you know, we, we are a bit of a, an, you say people think I'm an enigma. Mm-hmm. I think Zimbabwe is an enigma <laughs> in the sense that in, on the African continent, we easily have got a country that ranks very highly in terms of literacy, education levels. True. And demonstrated in terms of where Zimbabweans have been, mm-hmm. they've tended to excel whether it's in international organizations, in the private sector, their own as entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. we've done well. Yes, true. And the contrast is we've got a country that is struggling, eh? struggling more than most other countries. Mm-hmm. One could argue, and rightly so, that the challenges that we faced as we became independent maybe were more than the average challenges that another, any other African countries faced. I mean, many in that other words. But mm-hmm. still... There is a need to close the gap. 
of what is perceived as how good Zimbabweans are and how we are performing as a country. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a lot of that is to do with the so-called good professional Zimbabweans not wanting to dirty their hands by joining the public sector. Okay. Yeah? I've actually had this discussion with a very good friend to say that a number of us professionals, whether, you know, especially um, within the social sciences, yeah. the people who should be in the ranks of your civil society, mm -hmm. um, of the public service uh, commission, have decided, no, I mean, I'm not going to lend my, my services to this commission, whereas our bureaucrats and technocrats should be of the highest caliber. So what do we then do? Yeah. I, I think the other bit which needs to, to complete that analysis is also that we've not created the correct rules for contestation. In other words, the, con the form of contestation is in many ways excluded or made it very difficult for mm -hmm. professionals to participate. We've then gone and made another mistake as an independent country. Notice that I say we. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to separate. You're not, my, you're not blame, yeah, it's not yeah, a blame yeah. game. We. Because I think if we're going to solve our issues, we've got to take collective responsibility as a country. What have we done? We've tended to give jobs in the public space to people actually who've got, who are less skilled or less qualified than others who are available to us as a resource. Our biggest resource is, is our people. Is our people. Therefore, if we want to do well domestically and be competitive both regionally and, and uh, globally, we need to put our best foot forward. Whether I'm looking to employ teachers mm -hmm. or doctors or nurses, whatever the field is, or pilots, I have to take advantage that there are Zimbabweans who are very, very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Global standard. Yes. And those are the people we need to give the jobs which will allow us as a nation to ex excel. And that then takes us into a very delicate space, unfortunately, for our country. We tend to use patronage to literally over, overpower anything, any other consideration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Instead of looking at competence and expertise, we look at who are you relative to me? Are you my brother, mm -hmm. sister, relative, tribesman, mm -hmm. whatever? Mm -hmm. But if you don't have the skills, you, I'm taking my country backwards. But, Doc, is that not an African problem? I, I'm not necessarily sure that that's – I don't think it's an African problem. You don't think it's a no, continental no. problem? I think all societies, all societies, even the most advanced ones, have, have, an, have come from that kind of space. A nepotism of some sort. Yes. But societies that are succeeding – have been able to outgrow that, that kind of behavior. Mm -hmm. So there is nothing to stop us outgrowing, accelerating our pace of outgrowing it because we should learn from what other people have done. Okay. Yeah? Okay. So all nations, in my opinion, if you look at history, mm -hmm. you'll find that the, what we, we are afflicted by, the most advanced societies have also gone, gone through. through the same. But the advantage of being a follower is that you don't have to make the same mistake. Exactly. And you don't yeah. have to go through the same time frame of exactly. that, of that specific. Yeah. Okay. But doc, you know, and I think a, a lot of our listeners, a lot of people have been asking these questions. I extracted a lot of these questionings, these questions, uh, and the form of questioning from social media and people yeah. who've been asking about you, um, has been, and, and I use this in a very respectful manner, but the audacity of, of the party, mm. upper is a party. Yeah. The audacity of the party to be able to say that in, in, in its short time of existence, mm. to be able to say alliance for the people's agenda. Do you feel that you can represent or you are representative of the people's agenda considering 
um, the short time in which you've been in existence? Well, so it depends on how you frame the question. Do we feel we can? The answer is absolutely we can. Okay. Do we feel we already are? Then there is a misunderstanding because there is a process issue. Okay. We, everything in life has to be initiated by somebody. So a small group of us took this initiative and then we made one important decision that we're going to create a platform where we would invite Zimbabweans to be allies. In other words, Mm -hmm. that's the alliance of Zimbabweans. Mm -hmm. But the starting point, clearly the starting point cannot claim to represent. Mm -hmm. The journey, however, is about incorporating the ideas from people to formulate the people's agenda. So you need to understand the process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The starting point and and where you aim to go, and where we aim to go is absolutely to do with representation of the people's views and ideas to formulate the people's agenda. And Doc, you did mention something um, uh, very recently, and you said um, we decided to come together. Yeah. Um, after this hiatus of probably 15 years, mm. um, after your stint in um, the 2000 government, yeah. why back into politics now? Why back into politics? Because I think it's clear to me that, you know, I, I gave you an example of Zimbabweans succeeding virtually in everything and anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're having this contradiction of our country not doing well. When you try to analyze, one of the conclusions you, you cannot escape is that politics and leadership in politics forms the foundation on which everything else within the space of a country will then depend. So for us, the one thing we can, I think, all agree is that our politics are letting us down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if we fix that, Zimbabwe will fly. And so if you are a, a, a proud Zimbabwean and a proud African, constantly asking yourself to understand the nature of the animal or the nature of the problem, you have to come up and say, I've recognized it is a political issue. It's a challenge in the leadership space of politics. So in my view, then a responsible thing to do is to ask yourself, so what am I going to do? Personally, not who am I going to ask to Mm -hmm. fix it for me? You then have to say to yourself, what role can I play to get this sorted out? That's the journey. And I think you take it at a personal level and say, (laughs) I therefore identify a role for myself. I'm going to attempt to do this and see if I can bring other people on board and together mobilize our society to get this thing sorted out. You know, Doc, it, it's tricky because um, we, we've seen how politics has played out in the, the past probably two decades in Zimbabwe. Mm. We've had uh, small parties springing up, for example, uh, um, Simba Makoni. Yeah. And a lot of people have this way, considering your short stint within, um, and, and people tend to say ZANU-PF mm. in 2000. Mm. And their fear is that uh, maybe you are there to separate the votes? That, that's the fear. There is a fear that you are there to separate the votes. There is a fear that you have been planted as a wrench mm-hmm. within the, within the um, also as a spanner within the uh, machinery, mm. um, obviously to cause disturbance. So before you, you get into answering that, what led uh, for Dr. Moore to join the government in 2000? Mm. And then what led Dr. Moore to leaving the government mm. shortly after? Mm. Okay. So again, the same issue about when you, when you identify something that needs to be done, then 
for me, it, the next thing must be, the next responsible thing must be to ask yourself what role you can play. Mm-hmm. And that's why when, so if you go back to the space around 2000, before the election, mm-hmm. and maybe even the late 90s, I can't be specific now, go yes. and try and dig and do research in the Financial Gazette. You'll realize that I started writing articles about what I felt was going wrong because it was clear to me that things were going wrong already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I came back from Tanzania where I had been based with Standard Charter, then decided to come back into the country. And this issue of identifying my own role mm-hmm. at that point, I had developed skills as a financier. I decided if I'm going to facilitate and make a difference in my country, I'm going to do something about access to capital. So I formed a venture capital company, but at the same time, as an operator in the economy, mm-hmm. I could see that things were not going right. Mm-hmm. And so I started writing articles about what I would do differently. Yeah. So engagement at a personal level, yes. not delegating the responsibility to somebody else. What then happened? The, we had elections in, tw- in 2000. And leading up to those elections, I decided that I was going to run for parliament as an independent. Why as an independent? Because that question must arise. Mm -hmm. My observation to that point was, again, that when people belong to parties and when people are the leaders of political parties across the continent and they get into government, they form a government that runs the country for the party, not for the people. Mm. Yeah, Mm. And the parliamentarians all of a sudden appear to become stupid instead of, you know, they are very smart individuals at an individual level. Level. They join a party and the party starts doing stupid things and you don't hear their voice anymore. That's why I was so clear that I wanted to be an independent in order to continue to be true to what was right. So Dr. Nkosana Moyo ran as an independent. in No, no, no. no. So I wanted to run. So here is what, what then happened. I talked to my friends at golf and just in ordinary society and family. And all of them said, Gosana, we're not going to vote for you. <laughs> and I said, but so not only did they say we're not going to vote for you, they mm-hmm. said, we believe that you'd actually make a very good member of parliament, but we're not going to vote for you because where we are now, we want to change a government. We want to mobilize mm-hmm. and come together to change government. government. Mm-hmm. And our belief is that an independent candidate cannot help us deliver that. Mm-hmm. They then said, if you join the opposition, we will, you, you will walk to parliament because then we'll vote for you. And I said, you know what? Logically, I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But here's my problem. My observation and here are the facts on the ground. People who join parties don't continue to be rational. Mm-hmm. That's what I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I hear you. I can't deny that I hear your logic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I say to them, I hear your logic, but I've got a problem which stops me joining a political party. And as a result, my attitude was, if you are telling me up front, I will not win, and you're not going to vote for me. In that case, I won't even bother to run. Exactly. Yeah. But I won't join a party either because I fundamentally disagree mm-hmm. with what I see. And so I didn't run. So that's a matter of principle. Yeah, okay. matter of principle. Mm-hmm. So I didn't run. Uh, when the elections were then uh, over, I was, in, in fact, let me fast forward a bit. President Mugabe invited me to join the cabinet, and I agreed. And after I agreed, I, we did meet, and I asked him, so what happened? He says, I read what you used to write, and I came to the conclusion 
that if an opportunity arose for you to save your country, you would welcome it. That's why I appointed you as a minister. Wow. That was his explanation. Okay. He said he had read what I had been writing and he felt that I was looking for an opportunity to save my country, which mm-hmm. was correct. Exactly. And therefore he created that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And on that basis, I accepted. I was, remember, I was invited into government as a non-ZANU person. I've never mm-hmm. been a ZANU member. I've never been. So you did before, not work for ZANU, you worked for the government of Zimbabwe. I Precisely. Before APA, I've never been in a political party. Okay. But for me, that was healthy because what the president was signaling, we are going to form a government for the people. Mm-hmm. And in that government, we're going to include people we believe have got something to offer, even if they don't belong to a party. You were, you were brought on board as a technocrat, as someone with expertise, as opposed to a political entity. Exactly. It was not a political decision. It was a purely uh, academic or let's say expertise. Technical. Let's Technical. Go, yeah, that's why we were. In fact, there were a number of us. But even from ZANU itself, there were people who were appointed into that cabinet who were classified as technocrats. Mm-hmm. Some of them. Made because from agriculture, definitely Simba Makoni, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Francis Nema, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, so there was a, a group of people who were put into the cabinet. I, I would argue exceptionally, even from the party itself. These were people who were expected to help the government. I think move away from just politics mm-hmm. into creating a political economy. In other words, with a huge component of technocracy in it, meritocracy, to help the country perform. So that's why I accepted the invitation. I think that, that's, that's, that's a, a major clarification. Yeah. And then what led to Dr. Nkosana leaving? Okay, so in the 10 months I was in government, there were lots of opportunities, clearly, as you can imagine, both in cabinet itself and on one-to-one occasions with the president to have conversations about what needed to be done, done. differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was fascinating and then frustrating for me was that when I met with the president, you would agree with me on what I said should be done, what I thought should be done, I mm-hmm. should say. And then nothing would happen. Nothing would happen. So in my interview, my last exit interview, if you want to call it that, I explained to him that my presence in this cabinet is not serving a purpose. Mm. I don't need the job. I don't have to be in this job. I came and I accepted the invitation solely because I felt you thought, as you yourself said, mm-hmm. that I, I would be able to contribute. And I believed I could contribute. But the evidence we now have over 10 months shows that my ideas, or even when you agree with them, don't seem to find favor with the bigger body of the party. party. Which was your problem initially. Yeah. So the, the, it appeared, and I've got no proof, but it appeared to me, we had, in theory, we had a cabinet. Mm-hmm. Okay? But actually, in practice, the country was not tra- being run by cabinet. Like, okay. It was being run through central committee and political bureau. Mm. Yeah? Mm. The big difference. Exactly. Big exactly, difference. Yeah. So, so, and because I was not a member of the party, clearly I was not in those structures. So, exactly. <laughs> so, in, in, I mean, I was being humored in my view, and I did not need <laughs> to be humored. So, I left to be useful elsewhere. Doc, so do you think, because I mean, coming from what you just said, it sounds to me as if you, you saw this coming, what we're going through now. Because but, it seems like this is exactly what's happening. Or what's but I said so then. I said so then. And uh, I mean, 
Yeah, I left mm. because I could see I had 10 months experiencing it. It was not working. And I, I engaged with the, in fact, when I left, I, I must have met with the president for about what? Between one and two hours, mm. one, say one and a half and two hours, mm. discussing this and the president trying to convince me to stay. To stay. And I, I, I mean, uh, with respect, pointed out to him that he was saying this, but two things were a problem. The first one was that we had a track record. We had 10 months mm -hmm. of experience. Mm -hmm. Where this is not was not born out exactly, yeah, and from that I had drawn a conclusion which I shared with him. I said, even if I were to believe you, Mr. President, it does not appear to me as if your total system, the party side, mm. is on board with this. So I would be wasting my time. And finally, he let go. So he did not agree. I okay. just I left because I was clear I had to leave, and, and he did not accept my resignation. Okay. And, and Dogmore, after, after that, after 2000, up until now, just before the, um, the launch of APA, mm. um, what has Dr. Moore been doing? Oh, uh, so when I left, I went to Washington. I joined the World Bank Group through the private sector window, IFC. Then I was headhunted to go to London to what, what then was called CDC, the Commonwealth Development Corporation. So I went to join the CDC to run their Africa business. Mm -hmm. When I got there, within months, literally, CDC was restructured to form a private equity arm called Actis. And the employees of CDC were given a choice whether to stay within CDC mm -hmm. or to move on to the private equity side, okay. Actis. And I chose to move to Actis. And I became the managing partner responsible for the African business. So I stayed there for five and a half years. After that, when I was at Actis, I got to know Donald Kaberuka, who was Minister of Finance in Rwanda. We, as Actis, through a privatization process in Rwanda, bought a bank in Rwanda. Oh, wow. And after we bought that bank, we then decided that actually, instead of taking it completely 100%, we should invite the government to stay as a shareholder and therefore as a partner. Because we were rebuilding in a country that had been destroyed by genocide, remember. Mm -hmm. And we felt that if we needed, uh, if we wanted to succeed, we needed to have government as a trusting partner. And the best way to do that was to have them as an insider rather than sit out there and not know what we're doing in the financial mm -hmm. services sector. Mm -hmm. We needed them. We were running a bank, but we needed them to create an environment in the financial services sector as a whole within which our bank will succeed. Mm -hmm. And so strategically, we decided to invite them in. Because they stayed as a partner, clearly I then got to know, because I was the chairman of that bank, I, get, I got to know the president and the minister of finance particularly well and the governor of the central bank. So when Donald Kaberuka was then elected as the, govern, as, as the um, president of the African Development Bank operating from Tunis, he invited me to come help him set up the office of the chief operating officer. And uh, so I left Actis after five and a half years and went and joined uh, the ADB. Dr. Moyo, just to focus on Rwanda for a second, what are they doing right that we're doing wrong? Considering the, the chaos that Rwanda was coming out of, mm. Um, mm. I think one of the beauties of Zimbabwe is that we have not gone through any form of civil war. Yeah. Uh, and not anything as drastic enough to, to deplete our, um, 
uh, our infrastructure and yeah, so forth and so yeah. on. What is Rwanda doing right that Zimbabwe yeah. is doing wrong? I think Rwanda, again, I mean, I know it, uh, I can't claim to know it intimately. I've never been an insider. I've mm-hmm. been close enough, but never an insider. So I'm going to speculate. You know, I think when you look at society generally, there are two things that we, I would like to think we can agree are incredible cancers in terms of how a society functions properly. These two things are one, patronage. Patronage makes you not put the best people in positions. It makes you put people you like and who are related mm-hmm. to you into positions, even if they don't have the skills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huge cancer. The second one, which is equally, if not more destructive, is corruption. These two things are things that Rwanda is outlawed totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No patronage and no corruption. So, and then, my, again, my, what I'm aware of is Kagame has also devolved responsibility to the coal face, so to speak, in terms of provinces and districts and mm-hmm. so on. He makes the leaders of communities out there accountable. Yeah. So they agree plans, they agree targets, they agree the resources necessary for them to execute. And then every year, he has got an event where there is proper accounting for wow. whether there was delivery or not. And during that event, the ordinary people are able to call in and say, yes, our administrators in this district or our MP in this district, district performed what the ordinary people are the judge. Because remember, as an MP or district administrator, your boss, uh, your boss is actually the ordinary person in that community. So they are the best judge for whether you performed or failed to perform. And the, the, these officers know that once a year, the citizens will be able to mm. relay a message to the head of state mm. to say yes or no. Yeah? And the head of state will listen and, and will engage. After that event, incidentally, when that event is happened, those who attend it will tell you, that you know before you anybody tells you who is going to be reshuffled. <laughs> you, because it's performance-based. Mm-hmm. So if a minister is not delivering, it becomes clear to everybody at that event. And uh, the follow-on actions don't need to be debated. You see, but Doc, I, I really don't I, I, I want to believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm an idealist. You know, and we, we're still young and, you know, we believe in this utopia. And, and being a political scientist, I always think of politics in, in regards to legacy. Yeah. Yes, patronage and corruption do exist. They exist all over the world. But when, when patronage and corruption begin to be detrimental to your legacy, is there not a point in time where you're like, okay, wait, this is going to ruin the, what I am trying to leave behind. Are we saying that ZANU-PF uh, and our current government have gone past even caring about how they'll be remembered? Well, I suppose when you, when you ask that question, a lot of people will push back and ask you whether there is evidence that ZANU-PF ever cared post the issue of fighting for independence. Because that, wait, wait. Yeah. So the people even, I think, with justification ask whether mm. the fight was not an animal farm type fight. Mm. In other words, was it a fight to change our society or a fight for a few individuals to, replay, to become the new white mm. elites? The evidence, not just in Zimbabwe, but across the African continent, unfortunately, is that our struggles for independence in most instances were to do with what we call changing the jockey 
keeping the mm, same horse, horse and changing, changing the, the jockey. jockey. Who is the rider who is enjoying the fun? Who is having the fun? Mm. That's all. As opposed to, I actually want to change the system and make all the participants and uh, inhabitants of this space mm. enjoy a quality of life which is different from what was before. The evidence shows the our leaders into a revolution become the new rulers. Rulers literally not leaders. Mm. Mm. They become the new rulers or the jockey that just threw off the old one who was colonialist. That's what, what we see. And in regards, I mean, going back to, to upper specific issues, um, the election is around the corner, but there seems to be a relative silence from, from your institution, from the party. Um, more so community mobilization. I mean, we, we're still a very African, uh, a politically African, you know, Africa. Okay. Uh, and everything is ground based in as much as so many technologies have come up, you know, we're on radio and so forth and so on. But what about actual activity on the ground? Does APA have those structures uh, and why the silence? Okay, so again, please, let's slow down here. <laughs> <laughs> in, in science, generally, there is a phenomenon that we understand very well. When you want to detect something, you have to be careful that you use the correct mm -hmm. instrument for, I mean, which will allow you to detect that. Let me use a cell phone to illustrate. So, if there is a cell phone signal in a place, but you've got your cell phone switched off, you will not know that there is a signal. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So be careful that actually what you, you what your, your diagnosis is not about you using the wrong instrument mm -hmm. to detect the signal that is there. Mm -hmm. a, a lot of this debate is to do with APA's different strategy for campaigning. Not necessarily a as lack of a strategy. As opposed to silence. Silence. People are, Failing to detect APA, some people, I should say, because they are looking in the wrong places, using the wrong instruments for detecting the signals. What have we decided to do? We've decided not to do rallies. We've decided that our, not, for instance, to buy T-shirts for people. So our strategy tends to, on the face of it, to be invisible. Mm -hmm. And hence, what pe people perceive as silence. silence. Why have we done that? We, we acknowledge our reality in Zimbabwe. Rea Zimbabwe has got a toxic envir political environment. Yeah. You and I know that. Mm -hmm. I supported Simba in 2008. You know what happened in 2008, the violence, how mm -hmm. people were beaten up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So once you start by saying, I do an analysis of my environment, that analysis needs to lead you to certain decisions about how you go about executing your activities. Mm -hmm. Our analysis has led us into a space where we are very clear that our campaign is going to be friends and family. What do we mean by that? We engage with small groups, town hall style, and we encourage Zimbabweans to take on board the risks that they face, which are real. When you display like a peacock who you are, you expose yourself to abuse mm -hmm. big time, mm -hmm. and sometimes you lose your life. And we believe that as a responsible party and I as a responsible leader, need, I need to come up with strategies that minimize that exposure. Mm -hmm. Hence, why we're doing the way we're doing. So we are saying Zimbabwe is crawling with intelligent services, which are not saving the interests of the population in the country. Mm -hmm. They are saving the interests of a political party, which is wrong for a start. So, the, But that being your, our reality, 
Who are you going to talk to who you trust? Is a starting point. That's why we've said, go talk to your family and go talk to your friends about upper and the upper's agenda. Okay? After that, tell them, persuade them to do exactly the same. Everybody manages the risk that they take by talking only to trusted people who are family and friends. But, you know, when you do that, there is a geometric progression in terms of the population. People don't understand. It's the mathematics that puzzles people. When you get in the, if you go and talk to 10 people, mm -hmm. and those 10 go and each one of them talk to 10 people, it, those 10 and 10, that's a hundred already. Mm -hmm. And the 10 and 10, that's a thousand exactly. and so on. Yeah. Before very long, you will have covered the whole population. And that's why the argument of, oh, but we're not seeing you mobilizing because mm. of, there are no rallies, mm. is completely flawed. Gonna but but <laughs> for us, it's okay mm -hmm. because it means the competitor doesn't see us coming. Mm. And that's fine. That's the whole essence of competition. Mm. Don't adopt strategies that are easy to discern by those who are going to work against you. Why would you do that? It means you're going to fail. <laughs> Um, and APA's absence from the coalition and things like, like, uh, NERA. Yeah. So I have said, you know, I, this thing puzzles me. We've, in our earlier conversation, we talked about how smart Zimbabweans are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The evidence is there everywhere. And then there seems to be an implication in the coalition that Zimbabweans are not capable of choosing from a multiplicity of options. Mm. How does that come about? How do you put those <laughs> two together? I am saying, if we are really democratic, we are democratic people, we believe in democracy, we need to give people options. We should not rig the election. Mm. A coalition is another way of rigging an election because you are restricting the options available. Exactly. Yeah. You are not giving me the choice to see what is available. And I've tried to explain what an election is in ways which I think are easy to grasp. Every five years, we as a people use our constitutional and electoral acts to essentially hire a number of leadership positions, mm -hmm. head of state, parliamentary uh, legislators, and the councillors. We are hiring these people. Hiring means I want to be able to look at a number of candidates mm. and then make a choice on the basis of matching mm -hmm. the job that needs to be done and the skills that are on offer. Yeah. If you present me with one person, it means I do not know whether there is somebody out there who Who's actually could have done the job better. better exactly. Yeah? So let's not rig the election through a coalition. Zimbabweans are good enough. Let's change the process. In other words, engage with Zimbabweans on the basis of what are you offering them? What is your value proposition for the next five years? Let Zimbabweans decide. Doc, and, and where do you think, I mean, besides that, things like the, the coalitions and so forth, where do you think our opposition has failed? For over 17 years, why have they failed to present um, a substantial uh, obstacle to the ruling party. Well, I mean, I think to be fair, one one has to to acknowledge where when you say they failed, some of I think they failed in 2013 mm -hmm. because I think MDC were very passive for reasons that I do not know because I'm not mm -hmm. part of. I think MDC succeeded in tw in 2008. Eight. Yeah, 
I think the, that election was stolen from MDC. Mm-hmm. And I think now those who are honest, even from the ruling party, pretty well say it, that yes. they stole those elections. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. the f- way you framed your question is not correct. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but then, Doc, I mean, no, why we say failed is that why did they then allow an election to be stolen? Because they did go back for, they did join the GNU, mm-hmm. the Government of National Unity, yeah. which a lot of political scientists do then say, well, that was a wrong move. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I agree. What, what I'm saying to you is, let's nuance it. When okay. we say... They failed. They did win an election. Mm-hmm. And yes, you're right. Should they have gone into a, a coalition? I, I don't think personally I want to be dragged into that because then we get involved in a debate exactly, yes, which yes. is not mm-hmm. going to be constructive. Mm-hmm. But I want just to stress that 2008, they NDC did. won the election. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And yeah, the, the questions can be asked whether mm-hmm. they were wise to go into a, a GNU or not and then the 2013 issues mm-hmm. and then the the issue of not uh, contesting by elections, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, all of those judgments are different. Your question about what then went wrong when they won the election is a, is, is a challenging issue. And because in, the, in that basket of challenges, we're going to have to ask questions like the issue of uh, election rigging, mm. the issue of violence. My view is that I, I like to be guided what, by what President Mandela said. You know, firstly, the circumstances every five years are not the same. Mm. Yeah? The circumstances are not the same. Therefore, we know what happened in 2008. We know what happened in 2013. We cannot argue on any logical basis that the same will happen in 2018. In 2018. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the, the factors pushing Zimbabweans themselves as citizens to make certain decisions are totally different. Mm. Start with the economy. The economy is in a very bad place. Mm. And no other than people at the top of the administration, the ordinary Zimbabwean is suffering. Mm. It doesn't matter whether they call themselves ZANU, MDC, they're in the police, they're in the army. Zimbabwean families are Are suffering. suffering Mm. And so I think the decision-making process of our population in 2018 will fundamentally be different, mm. not to be simply compared to what happened in the past. Not at all. Because the drivers, as we go into these elections, are not the same. Mm. Look at the parties themselves. And again, I don't want to go into that detail, but mm. I think citizens are looking at all of that. Mm-hmm. What's going on in the different parties? This is input they're going to use in deciding who to vote for. I personally believe, yes, there are going to be uh, challenges but the challenges will be of a, of a different nature. And I think we, l- taking lessons of the past, of how to tackle these things, uh, having, uh, taking ownership, as I said, rather than saying somebody else should solve this for me. Mm-hmm. If we all as citizens take ownership, what does that mean? We all must go and register. It's our responsibility. Go and register. Turn up and vote. Now we've got new voters, maybe about 2 million or over even, of young people who were, who were below 18 then who now qualify to vote. To vote exactly. If all these people said, I take it as a personal responsibility to decide who I'm going to hire to help me fix my country, I think the outcome will be different. Dr. Moore, considering the past 17 years, and which is where my, my question was going to in regards to, uh, in inverted commas, the failure of the opposition, is APA confident of victory in 2018? We feel very confident, very confident, but the confidence is also based on our own analysis of what the field has got to offer. And clearly, in terms of strategy, I'm not 
at liberty to share my analysis of why we're going to win. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what is APA's vision and promise to the people of Zimbabwe? So, what, what is broken? <clears throat> Our economy is broken. Our country, we've got citizens in a geography called a country, but those citizens are not united. Mm-hmm. So, we need to fix the issue of unity. We need to fix the economy. We need to fix something else. When you look at the institutions I alluded to earlier on, if I look at the army, the police, the, the intelligence services, organizations like, organization like ZEC, the judiciary, you and I as citizens don't feel confident that these institutions that are supposed to protect our interests are doing that. What we experience is that they are protecting a particular segment of the society called ZANU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that should not happen. Things like if, for instance, there is a drought in a particular geography, part of the country, there is nobody who should be asked to produce a card in order to access relief. Exactly. Yeah, we need we we as APA want to change all of this. So we want to present to Zimbabweans a competent government, no nepotism. People will be given jobs and responsibilities on the basis of being a citizen and having certain skills which are required to get us where we want to go to, right? Mm -hmm. We want to shrink the size of government. At the moment, the government is way too big for our country and the economic size. We have said, we are out there saying, there is no basis whatsoever for having a cabinet which is bigger than, more than 20 people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We want to get rid of deputy ministers. We want to institute instead the concept of junior ministers to get the youth as part of the effort to get the country going. We want a gender balance administration 50-50. So these are key elements of just how we're going to form the administration in order to address the economy. We're going to create policies and regulations that attract investment into Zimbabwe fully cognizant of the fact that that requires us to be aware that in the investment decision compares options available. available. So an investor will say, why should I come to Zimbabwe and not go to Zambia? Mm-hmm. Why should I come to Zimbabwe and not go to South Africa? Why should I come and not go to Mozambique? Or, yeah? So we have to make ourselves competitive and create an environment where investors have got a sense that there is stability, there is security of their investment and there is fairness of treatment so that when they bring their money in, subject to the, their own skills to manage, they will get a fair return and take their money where they want to take it mm-hmm. to. Yeah? These are key elements to create a Zimbabwe that is prosperous. The unity and institutions of state issue will help us to create a country that is peaceful. Yeah? And these two will help us to create a country that is respected globally. As a Zimbabwean, as a citizen, that's the kind of country I want to live in. That's true. Yeah? A country that is prosperous, that is peaceful, and that is respected globally. That is our offer to the Zimbabwean citizenry. And are we going to, besides Dr. Moyo running for, uh, as a presidential candidate, Mm. will APA also be fielding parliamentary uh, representatives? Absolutely. So we are going to contest at all the three levels. We're competing at the president's level, the legislature level, and the council level. So we are absolutely fielding candidates at all. So ways. as opposed to people's general consensus or, or a, a, a lack of information, mm. the structures are in place and we do have this mobilization that is taking place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're just doing it in a manner that, that is, is not usual. Because as I've shared with you, we start off by analyzing the environment within which we operate. And we've decided 
to essentially wage a guerrilla warfare. <laughs> okay? <laughs> yeah, that's what we do. Dr. Moyo, thank you so much for your time. Uh, here on cliffcentral.com, the show is No Borders with your boy KF. Uh, we had Dr. Mkosana Moyo, presidential candidate for the 2018 Zimbabwe elections, leader of the Alliance of the People's Agenda. Dr. Moyo, once again, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cliffcentral.com.